Hello everyone, this is Ali Reza Ziadat. This is a new episode of Paytech Talk. Today we have again two special guests, which you already know. Uh, we have Henry de Jong and we have Gökhan Nazanin with me. And we will talk today about DeFi, decentralized finance and decentralized finance uh, yes, services like lending, yield farming, etc. And so uh, I would like to ask you, Henry, can you explain a little bit to the listeners what is yielding, what is DeFi? Give a brief introduction, please. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for the uh, kind invitation, uh, Ali. And uh, yeah, before I explain what yielding is, uh, let me start uh, with DeFi. You have abbreviation of uh, decentralized finance. And DeFi is the opposite of our traditional financial infrastructure, where banks play a central role. And to make or receive a payment, you always depend on the bank's willingness to execute your transaction. And with DeFi, you are in control of the tokens in your wallet. And uh, examples of uh, DeFi are lending and borrowing services. And that is where yielding comes in. Uh, through a smart contract, you can lend your, toki, uh, your, your tokens to a uh, DeFi app, for example, a liquidity pool that collects tokens from investors. And this DeFi borrows the tokens to third parties. And uh, you as an investor in return receive an interest. And this, this interest is, uh, is called the yield. And there are some risks uh, involved with DeFi and, and, and yielding. And uh, especially with Ethereum-based DeFi, uh, transaction fees can be uh, very high, as you, as you know. And you therefore need to invest a substantial amount to reach a profit. And uh, secondly, investors are in most of the cases not protected in a DeFi uh, if a DeFi gets hacked uh, or the company behind the DeFi goes bankrupt. And uh, yeah, here in, my, in, in return is my question to you, uh, Ali. Are DeFi's regulated or uh, will they be regulated through MECAR? So th that's a good point. I mean, thank you first for the explanation, Henry. And for those of you who are interested to read more on the DeFi explanation from a commercial and from a legal perspective, there's a nice paper of Deutsche Bundesbank, which came out um, a couple of months ago. So if you just Google it, you will find it in German and in English which explains pretty much uh, what DeFi means, also from a legal and commercial perspective. And also the question, is DeFi regulated? So DeFi is actually not regulated if it's a really fully decentralized structure. And fully decentralized means that we do not have any intermediaries and we do not have anyone who's controlling or has significant influence on a DeFi structure. And as we could see from the... Um, SEC and FinCEN, so the US regulators, they uh, gave a couple of comments. They said, okay, DeFi is not regulated if it's really truly decentralized. However, in a decentralized structure, like in a decentralized autonomous organization where you have token, like governance token, which uh, embody voting rights, uh, you usually also have some parties which hold A, a, a big uh, amount of such token. And the big amount could be the majority, so more than 50%. In that case, I would say this is not decentralized because the one who has more than 50% of voting rights has significant influence on the DAO and on the DeFi. Therefore, there is an intermediary and therefore we may have someone 
who we could say this is an obliged entity and this one should be seen as the regulated entity, like as a broker or as a, a prop trader or something in that, on that behalf. Um, we could also say that this threshold is not 50%, but as we look at it, uh, when we talk about financial institutions, this could be already uh, at 10%. So anyone who has more than 10% of uh, the DAO token, of the governance token, could be seen as someone who has significant influence on the DeFi structure. And then we could say, yeah, this is not really truly decentralized. Plus, what many don't know even in a fully decentralized structure where you do not have someone who has more than 10% voting rights, you usually have someone who is a market maker. So someone who is in the background who is um, matching the order when we have a liquidity uh, shortfall and someone needs to match the order. So then there's a market maker who is then acting. In that case, in my opinion, the market maker who is um, matching the order should be regulated. And then again, the DeFi in all is not regulated, but the participants could be regulated. But to put it in a nutshell, right now, a truly decentralized DeFi structure is not regulated and will also not be regulated in the future when we're going to have the markets and crypto assets regulation in place. And therefore, a truly decentralized structure is not regulated. Um, with this said, I would like to go a little bit over to you, Gökhan. Um, so, what do you say? I mean, I, I right now said that it's not regulated. Do you think it's, it's good that it's not regulated or would you say it should be regulated? Um, what is your opinion in that respect? I mean, sometimes even if it's regulated, it doesn't change the outcome. You know, you see that we have so many regulated institutions out there. And if someone would like to do something, they do it anyway, because there's always a backdoor to find in the regulation and which institutions use because maybe also giving a little bit of insights about the difference between DeFi, CeFi and traditional finance because there's still a step between which are the CeFi's for instance. I mean traditional finance is like a, a torso, you know, the arms, the legs. If you like to have an insurance, you go to an insurance company like AIG or Allianz or Munich Re. If you would like to have a loan, you go to a bank like City or Deutsche Bank, you know, and things like this. And that is a traditional finance, which are, let's say, more backed with fiat currencies. Currently. And then you have the CFI, which are the centralized finance. In this case, especially now in the crypto universe or the digital universe, that are the crypto exchanges, because it is still a middleman. So the difference between those two things or three things is that with the traditional finance and the central finance, you always have a third party who's involved in the transactions, in the investments, and in all the actions you're going to take to do something. And that is the difference between DeFi. So, and you always have a risk. You have a risk that the bank can go bankruptly. I mean, we had the Green Hill stuff, the Wirecard stuff in Germany recently. Um, we have now the Celsius stuff, and I guess Celsius is, is a special case which we can discuss and look a little bit closer. And you know that we had also some rumors that that Coinbase is out of money. You know, and the problem is if you are going to invest in platforms, they're running out of money. The problem is not your keys, not your coins. I mean, that is a a sentence which we all know since we are in the crypto universe, and that that is a difference <clears throat> there. And yes, it. Even those guys are regulated, but if something is going to happen, then your cryptos are gone with the wind and then the regulations will not really save you or it's a huge problem to get the things which belongs to you. So therefore, 
Is it a risk with DeFi for being not regulated? Not really, if you ask me, but I guess for the average show in the mass market, it is a kind of showstopper to get adopted by the mass. And that is the problem because people think if something is regulated, it's so secure, it is so safe that I trust that fully and I can invest in that. And I guess that is currently a little bit the showstopper what keeps the people or the majority away from going more into those platforms. I mean, DeFi are platforms like uh, Osmosis, uh, Pancake, and Uniswap and things like this, which allow you to do lending, trading, investing the things directly with those people you would like to do the business with and getting rid of the middleman, which is okay because then you don't have to pay fees. Because as an example, if we're going to invest in Kraken, I'm, I'm buying my cryptos on Kraken, I always have to give a fee to Kraken because I'm able to invest. On the other side, I can also stake my stuff, but if I'm staking my cryptos, for instance, then I have to put my, my cryptos on that platform. I lend it to the network, which also is good because I'm supporting the network with, with the staking over there and get rewards for that. You know, and then we can talk about the, the, uh, the APY, APR stuff, because that's also a difference, even if it's the same thing, but they have different outcomes at the end of the day. So, I mean, with everything you have there, there's always a risk. So you will never have a no risk or a low risk. Risk will be also, it depends on the appetite of risk which you have. And I think we're still in the early days. And I guess there will be a huge difference from today on in three years and five years and also in 10 years. And I guess in 10 years, we will meet again, hopefully. And we will talk about the stuff we're going to talk about now and say, hey, we, we already told that 10 years before. You know? Yep. Yeah, so you, you just uh, mentioned uh, staking, Gagan, uh, uh, and I think that uh, staking is, uh, is a good alternative to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to yielding because uh, it's, uh, the, the investors are exposed to uh, uh, lower risks. And uh, yeah, staking means that you invest your cryptocurrencies in a pool, yeah? and this, this pool uh, receives a reward for its stake in, in proof-of-stake uh, uh, blockchains, stake um, uh, blockchain validation. And this becomes more popular these days. Yeah, So we see what will happen with uh, Ethereum uh, within uh, two weeks. They, they move away from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake. Uh, and uh, these proof-of-stake blockchains uh, use a fraction of the energy that proof-of-work uh, uh, blockchains uh, consume. And as I said before, the risk for the investors are uh, limited, but the yield uh, might be uh, lower compared to uh, to DeFi lending. And uh, there I have one more question uh, more for you, uh, uh, Ali. Uh, so um, uh, providers of crypto custodian servers can invest the cryptos in, in DeFi, uh, like in uh, staking, but uh, if something goes wrong with the DeFi or the custodian uh, service provider, like uh, we, we've seen with uh, Celsius, the cryptos are considered part of the provider's assets. And why are they not separated from the company's assets, like you have with, uh, with, with uh, PSPs or uh, providers of uh, e-money services? Yeah, th thank, thank you, Henry, and also thank you, Gökhan. Uh, so be before I really answer that one, I just want to, to, to follow up what you said, Gökhan, because I think this is very important before I answer the next one. So and it also really gives in a nutshell what you said in the beginning, Henry, 
So when we talk about DeFi, it means in a nutshell that the middleman is taken out. So there's no intermediary, which will produce some risks because then you have a, actually a peer-to-peer action and a peer-to-peer trading or peer-to-peer activity. And if we have an intermediary, then we should make sure that this intermediary is there to provide some services or to limit the risks. And I would argue as a lawyer, we should also make sure that the middleman is regulated and that the supervisory bodies like in Germany, BaFin and Bundesbank, they pay attention to the questions of insolvency, to the questions of how the assets are protected from cyber attacks and uh, IT security and things like this. And therefore, it is also very important that we have some regulated participants. And I would say that CFI, so centralized finance, makes sense for those who do not want to take the risk, who maybe do not even know what the risks are. This is a nice also example what you just said, Gürkan and Henry, about the Celsius case, which we can touch on. Um, and then to see really how these risks are reduced and what you can do. So, and the question you just asked, Henry, about the the assets of the user. So let's take the example of Coinbase. So Coinbase gave an SEC report a couple of months ago where Coinbase uh, published towards the SEC that the assets of the users could be um, not protected in case um, Coinbase Global, so the US entity, is becoming bankrupt. So in an insolvency scenario. Um, And then many people ask, why is it like this? Because um, as we thought, or as we were believing here in Germany, what Coinbase Germany said was that the assets of the users, they're segregated, they're separated from the assets of Coinbase. And therefore, there is no risk that the assets of the users are uh, in risk of insolvency. However, this comes again to my point, the knowledge is lacking, the knowledge of the, of the participants, of the users, because there is not just one wallet where you put the assets of the users and you hold them there, and one wallet of Coinbase where Coinbase is putting its own assets and is doing trading. In fact, there may be some more wallets, like a trading wallet, where both assets are getting mixed up, especially when you do really high-frequency trading and you need liquidity, you mix up the assets. And as I understand the SEC report of Coinbase, um, so the information which Coinbase was giving out was in relation to that wallet, which you use for trading, where the assets are getting mixed up. And the result of that publication was that in case uh, Coinbase would become insolvent and the assets are lying in this one wallet where both assets, Coinbase assets and user assets are mixed up, then the users would, would lose their assets because this is actually something related to civil law and insolvency law. You cannot really segregate any longer the user wallet from the, uh, the user assets from the assets of Coinbase because they're both mixed up. You have a, a wallet with Bitcoin and you cannot really say any longer which Bitcoin belongs to Coinbase and which uh, Bitcoins belong to the users. And therefore, in that case, the, uh, the users would become in such a scenario creditors and they would need to uh, yeah, get in line and, and hope that they will get something out of the insolvency proceedings. And, and this is actually a, a big risk. And this is something which we now face, not just under US insolvency law, but also under European and German insolvency law, where we say, okay, once the assets are mixed up, um, then you really lose your 
your right to your asset. And this is just for the custody and trading part. If you start to do some lending business like with Celsius, it's even worse because people don't really understand what lending means. They think that they would give their Bitcoin or their assets to a third party like lending and they would lie there uh, like you would go to a pawn shop and give your watch and get some money and your watch is lying with the pawn shop. This is not true because if you look at what Celsius was doing, they were getting the assets and they were immediately trading that asset. So the assets were not even any longer worth Celsius. They were gone. So this is something which we also now see. If you look at the publications of um, the insolvency publications right now of Celsius, um, no one can really say, where are all the assets Celsius was collecting? Where are they now lying? Are they with Celsius? Are they somewhere else? And this is also a big issue. Um, and this is something where, where I would come back to you, Gökhan. Um, so this was what I already said. So given this, would you say that DeFi is, 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 a, is, a, is, is the best solution or is maybe CeFi better? Um, so what is your opinion on that? So there can so many answers to your questions, but maybe start it for the, for the outlook for our decks. I guess DeFi is more for people who are more familiar with the business, the transaction type, and also how all the stuff on the blockchain works. You know, you need, a, you should need a specific knowledge to be sure that you're doing the right stuff. I guess, especially traders who are, Bloody beginners should not do businesses like, especially not lending and, and then try to invest because what, what are mostly doing uh, people, uh, as you described that already, they, they lend the cryptos going to invest it. And the problem is, if, if especially when you trade on leverage, you know, and which is highly risky if you are uh, a, a, a rookie there. So therefore, I would say DeFi is definitely for the folks who have a better knowledge, who know exactly what they do and belongs also a little bit to their business, you know? And, and CFI is still something which is great for the average show that they get used to or learn how to invest, how to do staking, make their first experience about that, be secure. I mean, even investing in cryptos, I mean, you can do it with saving plans where you invest money on a monthly basis, but learn also how to invest into cryptos is great on CFI. And, and I see a risk of, of losing money if you do it on DeFi, if you have no clue about that. But I guess, and now here's the outlook for the future. The more it becomes the new normal and DeFi becomes, let's say, is, is lending in nowadays in, in, in the new normal business or even banks try to adapt DeFi or financial, traditional financial institutions because Frankly speaking, even the traditional financial institutions have to change their business model. I mean, we see the, the merge of many institutions out there. Banks go bankrupt or banks getting bought by other banks. I mean, I, I currently have that on the ground with my own clients. You know, they merge together one after the other. And that is also something which shows that something has to change even in traditional financial market it means even there has to be new asset classes they have to be new ways of lending borrowing and, and also sending money and i guess that is currently where we are on on the cliff of that something has to change or people will fall off the cliff and i mean by that that institutions will fall off the cliff 
and will be not profitable again because currently there is a huge competition on the market. I mean, we see it in the retail space, how much competition there is. And now it starts to, that kind of race starts also in the corporate world because uh, corporates also understood the benefit of DeFi and even CeFi. I mean, corporate lending is now also a thing. I mean, it's still risky for some institutions, but I mean, just look at that. That BlackRock is going to do much more with with bitcoins and cryptos at all and those guys are the the leading guys in the financial market i mean they own nearly everything they have you know there's nothing those guys never touched you know so therefore that shows you also the direction and the route the market will go down pretty soon yeah now what I, what i see ha happening is that uh, let's say the the fi and DeFi markets somewhere will meet Yeah, so we see, for example, you you uh, just said uh, the, the 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 costs of uh, sending money uh, abroad. Yeah, um, they are not as high as uh, three or five years ago. Why? Because there are alternatives uh, through uh, blockchain uh, ser services. Yeah, uh, two or three years ago, if you had uh, cryptos and you would like to give them. Uh, hand over to a uh, custodian service you had to pay for it every every quarter yeah uh, 25 basis points so one percent of your cryptos uh yeah um uh, were, were uh, deflated because of uh, costs and nowadays in instead of paying for uh for a custodian service you you get a fee Yeah, you get uh, the, the the staking or or, or yielding uh, uh, fee. Yeah, so like uh, we had an uh, an, an interest uh, paid uh, for for our savings on our traditional bank accounts um, until the negative interest uh, appeared. So the the two worlds meet. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. I, I would also say it like this. I think you, you both put it in a, in a nice uh, in a nice way. I don't see it as black, black, and white, black or white. I don't see it as DeFi or CeFi. I actually believe we are in a point, in a, in a phase, where we can try to combine both. So we can try to get the benefit of both sides. I think the benefit of DeFi you described quite nicely, Henry, is that you can interact um, limitless with lower costs and directly. Uh, and the risks are that if something goes wrong, there's no one who you can get uh, hold liable for. Plus, some really need the additional service. For some, for example, it is difficult to set up their own uh, wallet, their own MetaMask connected to uh, the DeFi, uh, buy Ether before and then uh, swap it to some stable coin and then to be able to do some trading and they maybe don't even know with whom they should do the trading and stuff like that. So some really need that service. I think even myself, I started quite early, but the reason why I didn't buy Bitcoin in the old days is because I wanted to have this intermediary who, who gives me like real transparency. Where is the wallet? Where is the private key? Where are my assets lying? And this is something I think the majority of the people nowadays, they need it. I think there are some really truly experts who don't need it and those who we should not really push to, to use a CFI service. But I think the majority needs a CFI service. And it would be amazing if you find a CFI service let's say an exchange or traditional European bank, which allows you to do trading also in DeFi. And what I understand from my experience in the market, 
there, besides the regulatory stuff, which is complex, the technical stuff is also very interesting. I give you just an example. So a, a traditional German bank or European bank, which is having its own core banking system, uh, for this, it is very difficult to start a new yeah, crypto trading service or crypto custody service. Um, and also some say that KYC is a, a major issue. So Gürkan, uh, I think you have experience with that. What would you say if I would tell you it is impossible for an, a, a traditional bank or for a, a sex to get uh, involved in DeFi or for a traditional bank to get involved in crypto because a lack of uh, yeah core banking system or KYC? So let me explain you first what the current circumstances in Germany are and then go to the question regarding the core system and the outlook and give you also some examples which are already live. Um, the thing what I mean, banks have understood the relevance of the crypto assets. And that's why some first institutions are offering CFD investments, which doesn't mean that you own the crypto, but at least you can participate in the value change there. That is, that is a great thing. I guess that's also the first way how they can try if there is the right level of appetite in the market. Exactly with those clients who are also in this case, our clients who use our uh, investment and wealth management platform, but also our core banking systems, we have discussions about what could be the next steps. And frankly speaking, we also are in negotiations with huge crypto exchanges. I don't like to give the names right now as it is not totally done and dusted. Um, how we could interact together means we're connecting them through our core system with the bank that a client who wants to invest in cryptos can do that over his account, doesn't need to open another account at the crypto exchange because the KYC is already done by the bank. You know, you already have a trusted partner who did all the regulatory stuff there and is fully compliant with that. So that makes also the life easier for a crypto exchange because they don't have to do the, the, the KYC and all the stuff again. Because the problem is also, and I mean, that is a huge factor and nowadays, I guess we all agree that there's still a war of talent. People don't have sufficient resources to do the business. I mean, just remember back in the days when we had the first or second lockdown, how many people tried to start an account on the crypto exchanges or at Trade Republic. Some of them had to wait for weeks until their account get opened. And with that kind of partnership and connection to a core banking system, you have immediately an account, you know, it's just another option, your online banking, yep. and, and which you can use that and can do the transaction through your online banking, but you're investing in, in this case, maybe Coinbase, Kraken, or whoever it is, the other partner uh, of your financial institution. That is currently in discussion also for Europe with European banks, also in Germany. What we as FIS already do is we did that already in the US one and a half years ago with NYDIG. That means many banks or many clients of banks can already buy Bitcoin through their online banking, through their account with a partner, which we have in this case, NYDIG. So it is already live and it's proven that it works. And there is a huge appetite. I think we just need the first movers in Europe because when I spoke to the board of many big groups here in, in, in Europe, some of them are very brave. And I can give the name of them, like BBVA, for instance. But there are some others who said, nah, let's see who's the first mover. Let's see how it goes 
with the, those guys and then we can can be maybe the next mover or maybe one of the last movers mm-hmm. you know and i think as soon as the, the bigger groups will join the party of offering something like bitcoin investments or even nft i mean nft is also something which could be discussed maybe um and some other smart contracts as soon as this is more offered over from the financial institutions then exactly the merge which you mentioned that traditional finance cfi defi will merge more together come closer together will start yep. and happen right then you know yeah so i, I think if if we uh, say that uh, uh, access to defi will be enabled through cfi yeah so we have the the travel rules coming up it's going to become harder to uh, get access to to cryptocurrencies because it's all regulated the the brokerage uh, services uh, you have to whitelist the, the the addresses where you're going to send your 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 cryptos uh, to so uh, if the device cannot be regulated the access to the device will be will will be, will be regulated through the device is is that something we can conclude uh, ali Yes, nicely said. I think these are also nicely con- concluding marks of yours because we reached the end of our podcast. So I think this is this is absolutely right. I think with with like tech providers and with providers uh, uh, like this, uh, we we can bring both worlds together. We can bring the CFI or the traditional banking world to the the crypto world. First of all, this is still CFI, but then also connect them to the DeFi world. And this is, I think, going to happen in the next months. Uh, I I actually believe this is going to happen very soon. Um, and what you also said, uh, Gökhan, about the NFTs, I mean, this is something we did not touch at all so far. I think we should do that. We should do that on our next episode. So our next episode will follow soon. And we had now a longer break because of the summer break. But I think we can do the next, uh, yeah, our next session on NFTs rather shortly. But uh, given that said this, I would like to thank you both for today. And uh, I'm looking forward to have our next session with you. And then we're going to talk about the uh, NFTs and how NFTs are going maybe to change the, the, the capital market. Okay. Thank yeah. you, Ali. Have a good one. Yeah. Thanks for hosting. Bye-bye.